And may the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace. You're dismissed. Wasn't that a great sermon? Yeah, come on, let's go. No, there's the Johnsons. Let's see how they're doing. No, 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 let's go. Why? Are we doing something this afternoon? I just want to hear a sermon and go home. If we hang around here too long, then somebody might ask us to do something. Is that so bad? I don't want to spend all day at church. I came, I listened, I sang. Now, come on, let's go. Dear, we are part of this body of believers. We should be doing something. Can't we be a part of the body, but not a functioning part of the body? You mean like dandruff? Yeah, no. no. Look, I just want to ask John if he found a job yet. John's out of work? Yeah, the last four months. He told me at the men's breakfast last week. How's Sarah taking it? I'm not sure. Oh, I should talk to her. I thought we just wanted to go home. How can you think of bolting out of here when people need to be encouraged? I didn't. Sometimes you just don't think. Me? Oh, shush. When we serve others unconditionally, we add flavor and light to our communities and the world around us. We're to use our time, our talents, our treasure, simply because there's a need. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Jesus calls his followers the salt and light of the earth. And this week, Charles Tapp reveals what this means and what will happen if we lose our lighter saltiness. As he continues with the third part in this series, going beyond the walls with his message, No Strings Attached. Today, as we begin part three of our series, Going Beyond the Walls, The Power of the Serve, I want us to go back to revisit a passage that we looked at in part two on last week when we shared the message, Jesus in the Skies. So I invite you to turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 25 as we look at verses 35 to verse 40. Look at what God's word says, for I was hungry and you gave me, what, food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Verse 40, and then the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Here, Jesus is using the analogy of the sheep and the goat to represent what will happen when the Son of Man returns to give judgment upon the nations. And he says it's like a shepherd who is separating the sheep from the goats. Sheep representing those who hear the voice, goats representing those to who not hear God's voice. And he says to those who he places on the right who are the sheep, you're gonna receive eternal life for you did all these things to me. 
For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was a stranger, when I was an immigrant in a strange land, you invited me in to your house. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. And the righteous began to ask him a question. Jesus, when did we do all these things to you? And I love Jesus' powerful but yet poignant response. He says, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. And what I find interesting, as I shared on last week, that has been really resonating with me as of late. Jesus is not using this in a metaphoric sense. He didn't say, well, it's as if you're doing it to me. He says, when you do these things to the least of these, and he, and he makes a list of the least of these, he says, you are doing it to me. And what I hear Jesus saying to us today is when you encounter the poor, when you encounter the oppressed, and when you visit those who are in prison, that in essence, we are encountering Jesus in disguise. For Jesus has chosen to connect himself very intricately with the poor, maybe because Jesus was poor, to those who were oppressed because Jesus was oppressed, maybe because they were foreigners because Jesus was a foreigner, maybe because Jesus was an immigrant and they were immigrants. Jesus, for whatever the reason, has aligned himself not with the rich, not with the successful, but with the least of these. And I wondered why did Jesus do that? As I shared in part two of our message, Jesus in disguise, I believe that Jesus so aligned himself with the least of these so that he could Put our test of righteousness to the test. For many of us think we're righteous based on what takes place in here. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 25 that what the true test of our righteousness, which this is another word for obedience and treating people the way they need to be treated, is not so much of what takes place behind the walls but what takes place as we go beyond these walls. Because Jesus makes it clear in the scenario of the goat and the sheep that those who look out for those in need, these are the ones that shall inherit the kingdom while those who ignored Jesus while he was disguised were told to depart from him into everlasting fire. And Jesus gives them an explanation as to why they're being cast away. He says, because unlike the sheep, unlike the righteous, you did none of these things to me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I was naked, you chose not to clothe me. When I was in prison or if I was sick, you chose just to ignore me. Jesus says, because of that, you shall be cast out. And herein lies the pivotal message that we've been sharing throughout this series, and that is 
that if we are going to respond to the call to serve the least of these, we must be willing to go beyond the walls if we ever hope to fully experience the power that comes with our ability to serve. And here's what I don't want us to miss today. Because when I'm talking about going beyond the walls, I'm not just referring to the physical walls of the church. But in order for us to reach the least of these, it means we also must go beyond the walls of our personal prejudices. It means I've got to go beyond the walls of someone's faith. I've got to go beyond the wall of someone's gender. I've got to go beyond the wall of someone's ethnicity. In other words, I've got to go beyond my prejudice if I'm going to reach the least of these. And then there's the wall we must go beyond, the wall of personal preference. These are walls that we don't build outside the church. These are walls that we erect within the confines of the church. It looks something like this. There's the brick of ethnocentricity that says your culture is inferior to my culture. That your socioeconomic group is inferior to my socioeconomic group. So even within the walls, we have set up other walls, set up other barriers that we cannot truly minister to those Jesus who's called us to minister to. And then there is the wall of politics and political party. You see, we forget that God is not concerned about Democrats, Republicans, Socialists, or Independents. Here is the only thing Jesus concerns himself with. Do you hear my voice? You can be a Democrat and hear God's voice. You can be a Republican or Socialist or Independent, or you can be someone who hasn't aligned themselves with any party. God is not concerned with party. God is concerned with this. Do you hear my voice? And are you willing to obey what I have called you to do? And what I find surprising as well as somewhat perplexing is that when Christians begin to speak up for, for righteousness and when Christians begin to stand against injustice, especially from the pulpit, then they tag you as being political. That's not being political. That's being righteous. For Jesus says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. That's not political. That's righteousness. God has called us to be righteous. And if you think that's political, then you need to examine whose voice you're really listening to. For that's not being political. That's being a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's being a Christian. That's being a sheep. That's being the one who will hear God's voice say, you have eternal life. And 
God has called us to go beyond the walls, the physical walls, the walls that we set up for prejudice, personal preference, and even politics. Because what concerns God most of all is that we, his sheep, hear his voice. Who says amen to that? I did not know this, but I just discovered this this week in my study, that sheep have an incredible ability to hear, which makes up for their poor eyesight. Sheep, for the most part, can only see well when they're well lit. But they have this incredible ability of hearing. And even though they might not see their master because of the, the poor quality of the light, once they hear the master's voice because of their incredible ability to hear, they move in the master's and the shepherd's direction. The church today, for some reason, has lost its ability to hear. For God is calling us not as Democrats or Republicans or socialists. God is calling us to make a difference. And the only way we can do that is if we're willing to hear and intervene in the lives of the least of these. Which brings us to our passage that was read earlier today. Let's go back there to Matthew chapter 5. As we look at verses 13 to verse 16, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it, referring to the earth, be seasoned? It is then, what? Good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And in verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, No Strings Attached. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lift me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, turn to 91.9. Um, they're definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are and I am forever grateful for, for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. 
This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp reveals what Jesus meant when he said that we are to be the salt and light of the earth, and the consequences if we aren't. As he concludes his message, no strings attached. I'm sure that many of us are familiar with this passage, but we have to consider it in the larger context of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's all about righteousness, not something that is done externally, but it's about an internal righteousness that works its way out from the inside out. And I don't think it's by accident that these words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 13 to 16 immediately follow the Beatitudes, which are the criteria for what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And although this text may be one that we have mastered to some degree, it is in the use of these metaphors of salt and light that Jesus invites you and me to reimagine our role as God's agents of redemption. And because we're disciples, because we're followers of Jesus, to be salt and light, not salt or light, it is not an option, but it is a divine expectation. It is a divine imperative on the part of Jesus. For when you closely examine these metaphors which Jesus has chosen to apply to his followers, those who hear his voice, it compares with the reality that is very clear that salt and light are agents of incredible transformational impact. Salt, for instance, impacts dramatically everything it comes in contact with. Can you imagine eating food without salt? I know some have to do that because of your diet, and God bless you, I get that. But would you choose that? I was telling the congregation this morning when I was a kid, my, my mother, God bless her soul, this woman could cook, she could bake, she could do it all. She was from the South. So when I say she could cook, yes, sir. Some of you are salivating even now. She could cook, and, and one of the things I love that she cooked were collard greens. Collard greens. Now, I know some of you may not be familiar with collard greens. It's like kale, but it's not. But when I used to eat my mother's collard greens, and, and I would put salt on there just enough, and I would eat them, I would go, mmm, 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 mmm. Best tasting salt I ever had. No, I didn't say that. I was the best tasting collard greens I ever had. Why? Because salt is an agent of transformation. That when salt is mingled with food, it adds spice, it adds flavor. And Jesus says to his church today, you are the salt of the earth. Add some spice to things. Add flavor. But then Jesus says, I want you to be light as well. And the purpose of light, twofold, number one, to dispel darkness, and number two, to bring heat 
and to bring warmth. Here's the challenge with the church today. Too many of us are afraid to go into the dark so we can't be light. But think about it, isn't that when light is needed? When it's in the dark? And Jesus says, I need you to go to some dark places. Places that on your own you wouldn't normally want to go into. But I need you to go to those places because I need you to share the light of the love of God. Here's the thing that I've come to understand about both salt and light. Salt is salt, and it does what it does simply because that's what salt does. Light does what it does simply because it's light, and and that's what it does. In other words, there is no bargaining going on with salt and light. Salt doesn't say to the food, well, maybe I'll mingle in with you and add flavor only if you're willing to do this. You see, too many of us in the church will only be salt if there's strings attached to it. We'll go into a community if you'll join our church. If you accept Jesus, then we'll be salt to you. Only if you're willing to take a Bible study. But if you're not willing to hear the gospel presentation, I I can't be salt to you. Jesus has called us to be salt and light with no strings attached. And sadly, some churches will only get involved if there's something, some quick poll crow that they'll get in return. They'll only get involved if, if, if the governing bodies will give them a plaque or, or an award or a certificate and say, look at what you've done. It's not what Jesus called us to do as the church. He called us to add some spice to our community, not hoping to get anything in return, but just doing it because that's what salt does. That's what light does. They just do what they're supposed to do. And I love how this really reads in the the Greek language. It's, It's in the active sense, in the active tense. Instead of saying you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, it better reads You salt the earth. You light the world. And by the world, it's wherever God has placed us. And we're to do it with no strings attached. We're to use our time, our talents, our treasure, as we talked about this morning, even our trucks to carry the goods simply because there's a need. People in this community should be able to knock on our door and go, we need your help. I remember several years ago when there was a fire right over here in the apartments near Piney Branch. Some of you remember that, right? They didn't come to us. We went to them and we said, what can we do for you? And we came back to the church and we made an appeal one Sabbath morning and you gave over eight thousand dollars because you were being sold we didn't say well we'll give you the check but you got to come to our revival you got to promise to to start coming to our services then we'll give you the money no we said we're going to be salt and light with absolutely no strings attached and we're going to do it with the love of god
The Apostle Paul deals with this same issue in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, do all things without what? Complaining and what? Disputing. Who's there yet? Let me see your hands. You do everything without complaining. Let me see that. Do all things without what? Complaining and disputing. Verse 15. That you may become what? Blameless and harmless children of God without what? Fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you do what? Shine as lights in the world. And that's what a light does. It shines simply because it's a light with absolutely no strings attached. Bonhoeffer says the church is the church only when it exists for for others. Not dominating, you know, we're here now, we're, we're in charge, but helping and what? Serving. It must tell men of every calling, no walls, no prejudices, what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. It must not underestimate the importance of human example, which has its origin in the humanity of Jesus. And it's so important in Paul's teaching. So if you follow Jesus, you have to follow his example. It's not abstract. You know, so many of us sit around, we just, we just discuss the abstract arguments, but we don't go out and do anything. It's not abstract argument, but example that gives its word what? Emphasis and power. We'll be talking about this in a couple of weeks with our message entitled, Go uh, Show and Tell. What gives us power with what we do behind these walls in our worship, in our praise, in our fellowship, in our study. What makes this so powerful, what's being done behind the walls, and how it impacts us when we go beyond the walls. So as I've been saying every week, if, if we're here every week and we're praying and we're singing and we're listening to the word and we're in study and we're praying, but then we go out there and we're not salt and light, then what have we really accomplished? For what we do in here should prepare us to be salt and light out there. But maybe, maybe what needs to happen, maybe we need to begin to disassemble some of the walls we have right here inside the church. And here is Jesus' concern in this passage. His concern is that salt will lose its saltiness and that light will go into being undercover incognito. And if you know anything about salt, it begins to lose its saltiness the longer it remains in the shaker. Stay with me. So if you and I are the salt of the earth, and our job is to salt the earth, if we remain in here, we lose our saltiness. And that is why so many churches today are irrelevant to their communities. The church exists to build one another up so that we can go out beyond the walls and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and fight for injustice wherever we see injustice. Because it's not about being political. 
It's about being righteous. And Jesus says, in the end, that's how we're going to be judged. That's what will ultimately determine the sheep from the goat, the righteous from the unrighteous, is by those who have heard my voice and obeyed it. And for those who do not, Jesus says, depart from me. You saw me a couple of weeks ago. I brought my tennis rackets out. You know, you can't play tennis without strings on your racket. So you need strings in tennis. But when it comes to doing the work of God to the least of these, we don't need strings. We only need to be who God has called us to be, salt and light. And if we just do that, we can spice up this place for the kingdom of God. Who says amen to that? You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, No Strings Attached. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. If you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you can't just tell people you have faith. You have to show people that you have faith. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp continues with the fourth part in this series, Going Beyond the Walls, with his message, Show and Tell. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.